Hey, I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we're donning our mask and gloves. Is that for virus protocols or the snow? Well, while we figure that out, let's slide into the SRBB headlines. Roy Williams, a member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame and the Basketball Hall of Fame, retired after 33 years as a head coach in college basketball. He led his alma mater, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, to three national championships. While coaching at Kansas, he took the Jayhawks to 14 consecutive NCAA tournaments. With a total of 903 wins, Williams took his team to nine final fours in his careers at Kansas and North Carolina. Williams is the fifth NCAA Men's Division I head coach to reach 900 wins and the fastest head coach to reach that total in the fewest number of games. He's the only coach in NCAA history to have led two different programs to at least four Final Fours each and the only basketball coach in NCAA history to have 400 or more victories at two NCAA Division I schools. The Baylor University Bears upended Gonzaga University 86-70 to earn their first NCAA tournament title and to end the Zags' perfect season. Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, has decided to move the All-Star Game and draft from Atlanta, Georgia. The All-Star Game has been moved to Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. The Vancouver Canucks became the first Canadian NHL team to postpone games due to positive COVID tests. 16 of 22 players tested positive. The Dallas Stars, Buffalo Sabres, and New Jersey Devils all had games postponed due to positive tests. The NHL expects the Canucks to complete their full schedule, making up the missed games. You can find these and past week's headlines on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Well, we made it through the first weekend of the Major League season. Pretty incredible weekend. Everybody played. Wait, what? Hold on. I'm no. I'm getting I'm getting something offset here. What what it not everybody played? No. What? Huh? Okay, you can stop waving my your hands at me. I get it. That was not a correct statement. We wanted it to be a correct statement. Here we thought we were moving forward. We had a full weekend on time, except that COVID reared its ugly head once again. And all we could think when we saw that was, here we go again. And this time it wasn't the Marlins or the Cardinals. It was the Nationals who caused the problem. And what I think was worse was had the Nationals been playing the Marlins or playing somebody else, it wouldn't have mattered. But they were playing the most anticipated debut of a team this season in the New York Mets. So the Mets fans, the Metropolitan fans were ready. They got Francisco Lindor, who there was big news right before the series was going to start about him. They have great pitching. They were ready to put this together. Steve Cohen going all in. And sorry, it's all postponed due to COVID. Nats player tested positive. They ended up with nine players and one staff in quarantine. I think a lot of that was from uh, the contract tracing. And the series canceled, rescheduled. 
And it's also going to affect the Nationals' uh, next series out. I think they're going to try to schedule in some double headers to get those taken care of. But uh, I believe that the, and we'll talk about that next week, how they, if they finally got to play and if there's any more COVID stuff. Yeah. As far Hopefully, as that. Goes. I hope not. I, no, I really I'm hoping hope not. not too. Uh, Marcus Stroman tweeted excitement right down the drain when that was yeah, all. Canceled. I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine a band base that was more I mean we were all excited for opening day but a fan base like the Mets I mean they were just chomping at the bit they had Jacob deGrom that was gonna pit you know uh pitch Francisco Lindor at shortstop you know the whole thing and then the COVID Nationals I mean the Washington Nationals um <laughs> they uh they screwed it all up and it's interesting because we don't know which players, you know, a lot of times they'll um, say who it is or players will say, yeah, you know, I, I have it. But there's some indication that it's possibly maybe John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison and Alex Avila are um, not expected to play when they play the Braves. So if they play the those, Braves, if they right, if they right, play because the Braves. I believe that the the Monday game was already postponed, right? So, and I mentioned Alex Avila; he's a, a catcher. The Nationals signed Jonathan Lucroy to a deal, you know, probably a, just a one year as a catcher, so that just gives more fire to the you know fuel to the fire i guess you would say i always get those <laughs> wrong flames to the fuel <laughs> that's right that maybe a catcher's well, involved or you gotta strike the iron while it's hot that is exactly i always say that and i stand by that <laughs> uh, mike rizzo the general manager of the Nationals, said i would say that it's unfortunate that this happened right at opening day but is it any worse than it happening in the middle of the season when you've played half a season? And while he's not wrong in what he said, he sounds stupid. Well, the other thing that sounded really stupid is he said, I am, oh, I am positive that it was not because they want players and, you know, staff were not following protocol. They were following protocol. Okay. If they were following protocol, why, how did they get COVID? What were, you know, how did that happen? Right. So that well, just, John Lester, it, John Lester and Kyle Schwarber must've brought it with them from the Cubs. Right. And I just held on exactly. to it until, until that last minute when it, they just, it just burst out. Yeah. Chemical warfare, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> <laughs> something here's, like that here's one way to beat the Mets we'll just have we'll COVID. get COVID <laughs> no you yeah. want to beat the Mets you got to give them COVID exactly well the thing is is with the Nationals uh it just again opening day was great but that just put you know a damper on uh, you know on I, it. I didn't even notice yeah, I, I, not the Nationals. The Mets, yeah, maybe. But, but the, I, the Nationals are, are I, I was a little bit interested because I wanted to see what the Mets did. But the Nationals 
have an interesting look this season too. So unfortunately, we still got that little bit of a of a stain on the start of the season. And where did it start in? The NL East, just yeah. like last year. Yep, again. So what we thought was going to start off was positives because there were fans in the stands. We got to see some really cool, incredible things, which we'll talk about a little later in uh, around the league, especially. But we thought we were going to talk about these uh, these positives, like I said. More people in the stands, things getting better. Uh, and one of the things about some of the protocols being relaxed for teams that are getting the vaccine. Yeah. So teams that are, um, so they have tiers. Um, MLB has tiers. So the new protocols would apply to fully vaccinated tier one individuals or teams where 85% of those tier one individuals are fully vaccinated. So they, they get their shot, you know, there's two shots, they get the second shot, then two weeks after, then they're considered Unless they get the Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Individuals who meet that requirement can gather without mask in hotel rooms, carpool together, play cards on airplanes, eat at restaurants, meet outdoors while on the road, with any one of their choosing and stay at personal residences when traveling among other things. I thought um, about that because there was a, there was two or three times, especially when players went to Texas, Clayton Kershaw lives near the stadium in Arlington. He couldn't go home. Right. And they were there, you know, a few times. There were a couple of other guys that were family was there five, 10 miles away from the stadium and they couldn't even go see them because of the protocols. Now, when they come through Texas, they can stop in and stay at home for a couple of days for a series. So though that one, I thought, well, that's pretty cool because. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that live in Arizona from all, all over the, the, the league. And so that, you know, if they're playing the Diamondbacks. Um, yeah. The other thing about this is that, Individuals who are vaccinated will also not have to wear masks when exercising. They don't have to inform a compliance officer when leaving the team hotel. They have the option of decreasing testing to twice weekly and will not have to quarantine if they've been in close contact with someone who was diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 as long as they are asymptomatic. So teams, they get 85% of their tier one individuals vaccinated no longer have to wear mask in the dugout and the bullpen. Uh, they won't have to utilize the tracking device. They can restore clubhouse amenities like uh, pool tables, play video games, that kind of Saunas, stuff. Saunas, steam rooms, all the stuff that breeding grounds, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of uh, players, you know, once more states are opening it up now where it's, you know, 16 and above can get the vaccine. Uh, so I know managers are you know, encouraging their players to get it. Still a personal choice. Um, but right. I, I heard Max Scherzer say, well, you know, I follow the science and I'm going to get the vaccine. So I got mine in a back alley. Yeah. <laughs> With a dark, rusty needle, I rusty think. Rusty needle and... Um, I'm not even sure because there, there was a story about people getting the vaccine 
that really there wasn't any vaccine, that they, the syringes were empty. So they just got some air in their shot. And whoever gave it, like, apologized. They didn't know how that happened. Was so, it like placebo? I guess. <laughs> you get the placebo. It, right. <laughs> Let's see what happens to you. Yeah. Well, listen, I, we'll you know, one, I, one of the things about the Nationals, and this kind of bugged me, I guess, last year, too, uh, but it was a shortened season. Is there still, I don't want to say you punish people because they get sick, but there's really no repercussions. And the nationals really have done a number on the East right now. Cause they're, you know, they started out with, they were going to play the Mets and now they're supposed to play the Braves. And so there's teams that are just there. They're just sitting there. And then follow on, you know, Dodgers are going to be supposed to be playing. I think their home opener is with the Nationals. Yep. How is that going to, you know, are they going to make it there? I think they will because they've had to do some scrambling like the Marlins did. Uh, maybe not to the same extent where they got a whole new team, but um, they've had to call people up. Jonathan Lucroy. But I just wish there was, you know, something, some kind of. I don't know, fine penalty. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there should be. Obviously, there, should be there was. Especially now. Yeah. After a whole year of it, how does, why does this happen? It's not a matter of how. We know how it could have happened. It's why. Why, who brought it in? How, if they're, if they're, if they're following protocol, every other team was following protocol. They didn't get it. Right. Well, 29 other teams didn't get it. Exactly. Well, and going back to the headlines with the Canucks, I went back and looked at the NHL rules or their protocols, but their protocols are very, it's recommended that you wear a mask. It's recommended you don't eat out a restaurant. It's recommended, but ML, so that's no surprise. Obviously nobody was really following. It's a suggestion. But MLB is, no, you know, you have to quarantine for this many days. You have to wear a mask. You have to do this. So there well, really should be. One of the things that came out of that Canuck story is they said, well, you know, there's two different rules for the different countries. And this is what surprised me because Canada has been more strict than the U.S. as a whole. Yeah. And so I was kind of surprised that the Canadian team got it. But they said it was a matter of time before a Canadian team got it because there's different rules for the two different countries. That's why the blue Jays aren't going to play. Probably aren't going to play in Canada this season at all. Again, because they're more strict about the comings and goings. They won't let anybody in to play them from right. the, the U S there's the, the, that travel you know, there'd be no way to make it work. They'd have to come in. And uh, I know there's some some updates where if they have negative tests or they've got their their shots, things like that could, could help. But otherwise, they'd have to quarantine for like three to seven days before they could play. Well, that's not going to work. It, it brings into one of the things I was thinking about is now that, you know, the Blue Jays probably, you know, are going to be in Florida for the rest of the season. What about at some point, 
I mean, I know that this isn't going to be forever, but what if the Blue Jays move somewhere else in the United States, pull out of Canada? Because uh, Canada has been really, uh, you know, last season they weren't able to play. They had to play in Buffalo. This season they have to play in Florida. I mean, I get it. Um, you want to with the different rules in the country, but I just was thinking, will they be the Toronto Blue Jays? How much longer? Maybe they could just move down and move to Buffalo. Yeah. Or why not move to like Vermont or New Hampshire? They could. I, I don't know. It was just something I was thinking about, you know, like they're never going to go home. They're a team without a country. <laughs> <laughs> We'll watch that. And by the way, I still refuse to say it right after this time. Dunedin. Dunedin? Duh, because it's Florida. Needin. Okay. Dunedin is how you say Dunedin. Dunedin. I think it should just be Dunedin. Dunedin. There's sand, sand dunes. Yeah. Maybe they can change it to wherever that uh, that toxic waste pond that's about to break out and flood a neighborhood. Maybe they can change it to wherever that is. Yeah, I don't. Uh, whatever reservoir. <laughs> they change their names from the Blue Jays is. to the Wastewaters or something like that. <laughs> the Dunedin toxic waste. It's their like logo a, could be really cool. No, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it could be like, because uh, that sounds like a minor league team. You're right. That, that could be fun. That The major should do something like that. We should spice it up a little bit. All right, well, we'll keep watching on this. Hopefully, this will be the only, I'm sure somebody else along the way is going to probably test positive somewhere. Things relax. More people in the stands. Things happen. Something will happen. The ho- Hopefully, it won't cause a big problem and we won't see any more games being postponed. I think they just wanted to prove the point about seven inning doubleheaders. It's time for Dodger baseball. So the one thing about opening weekend is every game holds the weight of the world. Even though there's 162 total games If your team comes out and has a bad opening weekend, the sky is falling, the world is over, what happened to my team? It just, it's lunacy how it is, but we all overreact. And not just about our own team, about all of them. Oh, I thought this team was supposed to be it. Or, oh my goodness. The Orioles are going to the series this year. (laughs) And the Dodgers are no exception to that rule. So in the opening weekend, they start Thursday. They they head up to the site of the All-Star game this season and take on the Rockies. Now, the Dodgers are essentially the same team that won the World Series just a few months ago. And they are the defending champions. So, and because they're still considered the best team in baseball, everybody looks at them and go, especially if they don't have a good game. Oh, I thought they were good. 
They don't look like the best ba- gay team in baseball. And I think that's what was happening on the first night or the first day on Thursday afternoon in Denver. Yeah, it was um, it was a beautiful day in Denver. As I had mentioned, it was going to be 70 degrees and it, it was. It was. It was. Ex- <laughs> you called it exactly. It was a great baseball day. It really was. It was great to see the fans in the stands. I saw some uh, things on Twitter, uh, my go-to for baseball things, all things um, for the most part. I saw one of the guys, somebody was there, you know, rooting for the Dodgers and a Rockies fan said, if you guys are so good, then what are you doing here? Like, well, it's the baseball game, so. And if you notice, <laughs> they're yeah. here playing. Yeah. You know, and, um, and not and and being being here in Southern California, not all, you know, Dodger fans or not all fans of one team live right by their team. Yeah. And I say being in Southern California is because you can go to a Dodger game or an Angel game, and especially the Angels. When the Yankees and the Red Sox are in town, there are a lot of fans either way. We talked about that uh, your first uh, first Dodger game being surrounded by Cardinal fans. Yeah, at Dodger Stadium, it was right in, uh, and on the Cardinal it, the Cardinal nest. <laughs> now, you know, at, at the time that you went, it was summertime, so it could be people visiting and did that. But we see it all the time that you go to a game, there's going to be a fair amount of fat because people trans or transplants out here, especially from colder places. Right. Yeah. The Dodgers lost the first game at Coors field and people were in fetal positions across the country <laughs> in the corner, <laughs> rocking back and forth because it was the Dodgers to have the hangover. It's the World Series hangover. There was a on run on antidepressants, I think I saw on the news. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it, it was bad. It was really bad. But I think when I was watching that game, yeah, the Dodgers lost. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, you know, had an okay outing. But I thought, okay, you know, it's game one. But I was really thinking the, uh, the uh, Rockies came out to prove like, hey, we don't need no Nolan Arenado at third base. We got his cousin, Josh Fuentes. And if right. you don't look close enough, he looks just like Nolan Arenado. Right. They should have gave him his number. Yeah. That was my take is that the, the Rockies were just, you know, they were going to, they came out and, you know, swinging. But the Dodgers ended up, you know, taking the series three to one. So maybe people have maybe cut their dose of the antidepressants in half or, you know, now they're hopelessly addicted to something. They're, they're holding on to it in case the Dodgers have one of those Dodger S losing streaks. Like they had a couple of years ago where they'll just all of a sudden look like they can't play baseball. We need to take in to account first game back with fans in the stands it's a beautiful day. They're playing the champions. They came out fired up. And the Dodgers, on the other hand, may very well have just thought, we're playing the worst team 
in our division next to the Pirates. They're the next to last worst team in the National League kind of thing. And I think they they just underestimated them when they came out. And like you said, Kershaw, so-so, it wasn't a bad outing, but it wasn't it wasn't spectacular like you wanted from him. He hit really well. But he went two at for three. The, at, I'm thinking so. maybe we'll just move him into a, a pinch hitter role. He could yeah. be he could be two way in American League parks. He could go Shohei on him. That's he, awesome. He hit better than he pitched overall. Yeah. But he didn't pitch badly. It just wasn't that spectacular outing that you would normally I overall it was a it was a good series for the Dodgers, especially. They gave up some runs here and there. The Rockies didn't look bad. The Dodgers just looked better in the last three games. Well, and they didn't and even look real bad in the first game. Well, I guess based on them, they did. But yeah. <laughs> they, were, they weren't out of it. There were a couple times where they were right there. But there was some weird stuff that happened in this series. And in fact, if you look across baseball... These guys, there were a lot of fundamental things that were going wrong. Base running, fielding, all kinds of stuff. I mean, right in that first game, the weirdest thing, (laughs) maybe not ever, but at least as far as this Dodger series, and it kind of happened twice in this series, almost. Yeah, the Rockies had their featured actor in this role, and the... (laughs) The uh, the Dodgers had some, you know, different, uh, some different actors. But yeah, that first game, Cody Bellinger comes up, hits a home run. We think, I think it's home run. I, I was looking at the box score. <laughs> I, I saw a single. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So it turns into, uh, so this, a home run turns into a single and he got an RBI. That's a so, pretty good that's a pretty good single then an RBI single because didn't the runner score from first on a single? He did. That's talking about But he speed. also passed. He also passed Cody Bellinger <laughs> making Cody Bellinger out. So <laughs> So imagine you're at the game. You know, we talked about how there're going to be a lot of people that'll be going to games because they want to get out but they don't really know a lot. And they're like, is this normal? Is that a normal occurrence? Like, Well, in this situation, you see he was the runner and he's supposed to go forward, but instead he went backward, but he's not supposed to pass that guy. Right. So let's, let's, uh, let's break it down from the beginning. Cody Ballinger comes up long fly ball to left field. Uh, the, uh, left fielder goes up for the ball and this guy, Rymel Tapia, who's a really, he's a, he's a long guy. Yeah. He's very long. His arms are really long. He's tall and he jumps up and to get the ball, it goes into his glove, but because of the way the, the motions of him, he is, his arms on the fence, it goes it bang his arm bangs on the fence the ball comes out of his glove and into the stands so he had he was just seconds away from robbing Cody of a home run falls into the stands now Cody's on his way around second base Justin Turner 
that speedster was in front of him is past second base, but he sees what looks like a catch. So he has to go back because if he doesn't, they could double him up if, if he's got the ball and Tapia came down off the wall and acted like he was going to throw the ball in. So good move on his part. Yeah. Cody is rounding second base. And as Cody's saying, Hey, the balls went over the fence and yelling at the ump. He doesn't notice apparently Justin Turner pass him going back to get back to first base. Right. Which and one cool. of the umpires, I think uh, second base umpires, one of them was circling, you know, making the motion for a home run. So, but Justin Turner, he just had his head down because he was sure that ball had been caught. And so he was trying to, I don't know what else he could have done in that situation other than Cody maybe could have stopped at first and waited <laughs> to see what the ruling was but even then i don't i don't know it i think he thought it was so out. weird cody messed up i think more than justin right justin should have noticed that cody was stopped there but you're right his head was down he's like i just got to get back to first base cody should have said wait stop and or as soon as he saw justin coming back to him he should have ran back to the bag because he could have stood on one side of the bag Justin on the other. They could have both been there. And if it turned out to be an out, then it doesn't matter. And they're yeah. they're good. I think that's the play that changed the game overall because that took away the first home run of the season for them. Yep. And two runs right there. Yeah. And they just never really put it back together. And there were some bad plays, some throwing errors, more base running issues just in that game, which... If I'm sitting there and I've and I only know about the Dodgers, if I don't really know about baseball like we're talking about, and all I've heard is the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, I'm thinking, how? Or compared to what? <laughs> right. What what is so baseball's not that good, huh? <laughs> it was just odd the whole series, but yeah, I, I agree with you. That kind of just deflated the whole after that they just couldn't get back i mean they they ended up losing five to eight but they just didn't seem the gel that holds them together was coming apart so there was a cat on the field on friday night that just ran out lives down there tony, <laughs> somewhere tony didn't didn't play it could it's possible Maybe he brought his cat. I don't know if that's one of his cats. The cat looked pretty <laughs> kind of mangy and not very nice because when the two stadium employees went and grabbed him, I'm pretty sure that they they got scratched. That was that my first thought. When the guy reached out and grabbed the cat, I thought, ooh, no. I'm trapping that go. thing. I'm not touching it. I'm not, I'm staying away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And then the, on Saturday, they have a fountain in the center field and it just went off and they couldn't figure out how to turn it off. Like right. nobody had the switch. They didn't know where the switch was. They didn't have the key. 
I'm not sure, but uh, the it guy was who just... runs it, uh, he either he either quit and rigged it to go off, or he was <laughs> right. out sick, he, and he's the only possible. one with the key. So right, now, it's possible. The, the Dodgers eventually did get their first home run of the season, but that too <laughs> was an adventure, and Tapia was involved in that one as well. He had a starring role in these type of situations. So Zach McKinstry is up and he got his first home run as a major leaguer inside the park home run. Because what happened, again, Tapia used his long body to get up there to get the ball. But this time the ball goes the other way onto the field. So the ball is in play. Tapia came down. He hit the wall pretty hard because they also had to fix the wall during that game. And his, and his arm again came down, but this time his arm was farther up on the fence and it came yeah. down like up on his tricep area, which I think jarred his shoulder a yep. bit. The wall, he hit that, he hit that. The ball comes, like you said, comes off of that glove and back onto the field. Yep, so it's in play. Tapia is sprawled out on the ground, but then, and, and McKinstry is just, he doesn't care. He's just flying around the bases. and But Tapia has presence of mind, probably because some of his teammates were like, hey, the ball, he gets up, he gets the ball. But by that time, McKinstry had it crossed was. home plate. And it was an inside the park home run. And it was awesome to see. I have watched that clip, I think, 10 times because I just love Zach McKinstry's reaction. And, of course, the Dodgers dugout and all the players, how excited they were. But Tapia, he's got to get a new glove because I noticed on both the Bellinger home run single and then McKinstry's inside the park home run, that glove is not, it looks like it's like too big or it's not all the way down. And so it's, when he gets it into the webbing, it's popping out. So yeah, you would think that into the webbing, it would, it would stick down in there. And that's why outfielders have the bigger gloves like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that's, it was crazy watching Tapia because he came down. He was, he was kind of hurt. Yeah. And and maybe a little stunned. He and he's sitting up against the wall because I think at that moment he thought the ball was a home run. He was just sitting there dejected. I'm hurt and now I gave up this home run and again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and then whether somebody yelled, whatever, you see him look to his right and his eyes get big. Like right. oh, and he gets up to run over to the ball. <laughs> but like you said, by then, you know, McKinstry is uh, is pretty quick and he yeah. had made his way around. And Yeah. And so, and, so they get that. Know, <laughs> they, I was going to say, Raimel Tapia, I've watched him. I've watched him play in the minors um, and he's a really good outfielder. But he just, I, he had had a weekend. Right. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Lucky for him, they they took him out. He actually left out through the opening in the left field wall over there, and and yep. disappeared for the for the game. He was back. I, I guess he wasn't hurt as bad as 
you know, as a scene, but, uh, or as he could have been. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he got up there. He, he almost robbed two home runs because that ball, yeah. that ball did go over the fence. Yeah. And so it should have been. And so he, while he gets an in the park home run, it really should have been the first Will Smith has that honor. He gets the first actual out of the park home run with no drama, no yeah. sideshow aspects. It went to it. into the seats. Yeah. Yes. And I, the interesting thing too, is that the last Dodger to have their first home run being inside the park home run was Duke Snyder in 1948. So Zach McKinstry has good company, has joined very good company wow, in yeah. that regard. He's safe. Another thing with this series, Trevor Bauer, first start as a Dodger. We saw him uh, strutting this stuff. He had the Connor McGregor strut going on a c- couple of times. He was had a no-hitter going, and um, then I noticed that the uh, Rockies announcers, because that's, that's, I watch... Uh, their feed and they jinxed it and i'm gonna blame it on those two guys and and then well, after that so. i happened to be uh, i was listening and i had run out to do something and was listening to the dodgers here and especially because it was a, a no-no going on yeah and uh both uh charlie steiner and rick monday the radio voices for the Dodgers mentioned how long he was on base and that either he's going to be, he's going to come out and continue it and finish it and he'll be heroic or it'll get broken up and everybody will blame him being on base. The uh, Rockies announcers also, they blamed that too. Um, They said, Oh, it had to have been that he was out on the base pads longer um because he ended up when he was out there he ended up getting he he did had a bunt had a good bunt it ended up being you know fielder's choice he got an rbi out of it so you know i don't know and then he ended up at third base at some point right yeah so but he didn't score so there was no you know silver lining to his uh loss no hitter the problem though with trevor bowers outing is that while he has this no hitter going he's invincible once they broke it up, and this isn't an unusual thing. Yeah. Once it was broken up, Trevor Bauer was broken up, apparently, because he kind of lost that mojo that he had going. Okay, I don't know, and I'd have to go back and look and see in the game, <laughs> but when A.J. Pollock didn't catch that ball for that first hit that Trevor Story hit, when the ball came back, to Trevor, to Trevor Bauer, I almost, it looked like he flipped, um, AJ Polikoff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you just, and, I mean, maybe it was the way his fingers were <laughs> in his glove, but I, maybe like, you're seeing he, something that wasn't just, there because you wanted right, to see right. him. And maybe, yeah. well, or. It's like he would he would totally do something like that, but I don't think he would to his teammate. Well, maybe, but yeah, maybe after it was that, just a jest, it you know, playing around, right. joking around. Well, and you could tell, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and you could tell that the you know the players, everybody on the Dodgers, they were being extra careful. You know, they were 
hitting, getting it. And then when that dropped, then it was, that was it. And then he ended up giving up um, two home runs. And the Rockies in this series, the seventh inning was their, was their favorite inning. That seemed to be when they would come about, uh, come out and just kind of start hitting. But the other thing is Walker Bueller pitched. Um, Walker Bueller had a good outing. He went six innings, four hits, did give up a home run, no walks, but Dave Roberts pulls him. And again, I'm just like, why are you taking him out of the game now when he's still good? Let him go a little bit longer because then they bring in Jimmy Nelson and he's got control issues, wild pitches. Dodgers barely got, you know, got that game six, five. And that's another issue, you know, I have with, um, with Dave Roberts. Although on Sunday he let Julio stay in. Oh, yeah, he did. I was kind of surprised by that, that, uh, that he did. Yeah. Uh, I be- I'm with you that, um, that Walker Bueller looked pretty good. Clayton was okay. Trevor Bauer. I think that was a good debut. And too bad that, uh, you know, it kind of fell apart for him at the end, but he still struck out 10 over the game. Yeah. He pitched, you know, what, six, six good innings and then, you know, broke up the, the no hitter. And of course it would be Trevor story that breaks of it course. up. It would so, have to be, I mean, he's, he's the guy. Well, and I didn't say too, on a, another silver lining or Trevor Bauer, um, has his, um, strikeouts where he donates money to uh, worthy causes in um, in Los Angeles and the surrounding area, and um, this time it's for STEM programs for kids. So that's you know ten thousand dollars for programs. So that's that's nice that he's doing that. But yeah, it was it was a good outing. But Dave Roberts going back to some of his things, uh, pinch hitting for Zach McKinstry after he hit a double with Matt Beatty. I what okay. Why? Why are you pinch hitting for Zach McKinstry? Uh, I don't. I don't get With it. Matt Beatty, <laughs> who just hasn't been able to do anything. No, unfortunately, to start he's, the season. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how it's been these uh, first few games. Hopefully, he'll find a. He'll find it. David Price pitched a little, little shaky, but was able to, you know, get back. Um, I guess in the routine. But you look at him; he hasn't pitched in a year. You know, I guess it's like riding a bicycle. Maybe you're a little wobbly at first, but you get back on and you're fine. Didn't cost them. Didn't cost them a game, so that no. that helped. Uh, really, out of the bullpen, the bullpen overall, with the exception of Jimmy Nelson, uh, first outing, his second outing wasn't bad. Uh, no, but but not what you hoped. But he and you know there was big you know high hopes for him and David Price, and then Tony Gonsolin, who's on the IL. I hear. Yeah. Uh, out of the bullpen, really the the pitcher Kinley not bad. Probably yeah. the best reliever over the weekend was probably Corey Knable. Yes. Uh, overall, he was he he pitched uh, I think just a little over an inning uh, worth between two games and was dominant. I know Victor Gonzalez pitched, so that's yeah. And, and he didn't. He was you know he was a little shaky too, but he was able you know they were able to get out of it. It wasn't to you know there weren't a lot there was a lot of damage done uh jimmy nelson though definitely needs to he was reminding me of joe kelly i don't know if he wanted to fill that role 
a little erratic. <laughs> but I mean, I think overall the Dodgers look good, and uh, and the other thing is, is you had Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and Cody Bellinger, uh, Corey Seager, all in this series had days off. So it just shows, you know, how deep the bench is, um, where you can take guys out like Corey Seager and Mookie Betts and, you know, and, still, and let them set and still and win. That's what makes them the best team in baseball because they have the depth and that's always the key. Yeah. He, Corey Seager, the day off, but still monster series picked up where he left off last year, eight hits, Batting 667, he walked four times, was on base. He didn't strike out at all in the series, on base 75% of the time. So, I mean, that was pretty strong. Uh, Gavin Lux, uh, second to him as far as hits, uh, did get uh, did have two triples. Yep. So, with the bat, he was good. As we've talked about, the bat hasn't always been his issue. His issue is defense, and he's a liability, and he yeah. showed it in this series. Yeah. And you know, one thing I do, I want to mention uh, is cause I hear and see a lot of people still, they're, they're so-called Dodger fans um, ripping on cuz on Austin Barnes, but between Austin and Will Smith, they're hitting combined like 429 when you know so and will smith has you know the home home run austin barnes got you know a single those key hits when when the team needed it so um and he got hurt got spiked then he you know was back in the lineup but i'm really tired of hearing about austin and you know oh we need to get rid of him no he's a good defensive catcher offensively he's coming back you know, around with the help, of, like last year, he said, of Mookie Betts. And mainly because, you know, he's cuz, so he's got to right. be there. I don't, I get, well, got to defend the family. his point. I mean, proven his place in the team where, you know, Will Smith's good, but Austin Barnes, I think, is a little stronger defensively. Will Smith mm-hmm. is a little better offensively, but they're, it's good to have two catchers that you can trust like that that you can interchange so they can both play. One thing I do want to mention, and this is about the Rockies in this series, uh, the last game of the series, Austin Gombers pitched and he gave up. I mean, they gave up like three runs in the first inning without the Dodgers ever getting a hit. And I had to feel for the guy because he was traded. He was the pitcher that was traded from the Cardinals. Right. For Nolan Arenado, and so you could tell that he was nervous, and and then and he even they I rewatched some of that game, and there were boos, and I just felt bad for him because yeah, it's not his of, fault. He no. didn't choose to to come there, especially for for that. Why are they booing him? Why aren't they booing management or ownership? Right, that's who they need. To I be, thought I about him too. I said if he had come out. And no hit the Dodgers. Everybody would have said Nolan. Who? We got yeah. this. This you know great pitcher for him. But yeah. that's not what happened. Well, that and then the other thing um, that I noticed throughout the series was, um, sorry to have to report this, Rockies fans, but Nolan Arenado just hit a home run. Like, okay, well he doesn't play for the 
Rockies anymore. So why do they care? Um, there was just a lot of focus on that, but yeah, it was a weird, wacky series at Coors Field. Which just went to weird, wacky across baseball. Cause there was a lot of weird things that happened everywhere. Yep. So that brings us to our player of the week. Who got your player of the week honors? My new favorite player, Zach McKinstry. <laughs> gets my player of the week. He's fun to watch. He's super versatile. He reminds you of, uh, you know, like Chris Taylor who, you know, okay, you need me to play second. Okay. I'll play second. Put me in left. Where do I need to go? And then offensively just, you know, getting hits. And then of course the inside the park home run. And he's just fun to watch. You can just tell that he is loving being on the, on the Dodger roster. And he, he really earned it. So Zach McKinstry, player of the week for me. Okay. I thought about Zach. I thought about Corey Seager, but I'm going with Julio Urias as my player of the week. Uh, Seven innings pitched, struck out six, uh, only three hits and one run in that game. He had by far the best outing of any of the pitchers. Good pick. Dodgers will play the A's. In the coming week, and then uh, on Friday, they will have their home opener, we hope. Yes. Uh, when the 2019 champions take on the 2020 champions. Yes. For the Dodgers and the Nationals. Yeah. So we'll talk about that I wish that they were next. the, they're the Washington Nationals, but they could be the District of COVID Nationals. District of COVID Nationals. I like that. Also, the Dodgers are going to be wearing special jerseys and hats. Uh, their jerseys are going to be, uh, the logo is going to be trimmed in gold. They are really sharp. I've seen that and the hat with the with the trim in gold. Somebody did say they'd hope that their hats would be like the Royals. When the Royals won, mm-hmm. their KC was in gold. Right, yeah. And the LA in gold would have been sharp. As opposed to just having a trim around the white. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of opening day. They're going to be getting their rings. Um, They're going to have a a, um, tribute to Tommy Lasorda over that weekend. So on Sunday will be uh, a whole thing with Fernando Mania. Oh, yeah. Love Fernando. That started 40 years ago. Wow. Holy cow. And 40 years since the 81 championship team. That's right. Yeah. Lots going on. Uh, Hopefully um, Dodger fans that were um, in the corner in fetal positions can now um, extricate themselves from those positions and their family members are shaking them. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. No false alarm. It's okay. Come look. They just need to show him Zach McKinstry's uh, on a loop. Yeah. And they'll they'll automatically feel better. That's right. That'll get you going every time. Better than than any drug. Spring is always the best time of the year at Angel Stadium. Because especially opening day. Before the game is played on opening day. Not necessarily after the game is played on opening day, but before 
the Angels have a chance to go to the playoffs, to the World Series, for Mike Trout to finally get to to see what the postseason is like for more than three games. But of course, there's always that little nagging in the back of an Angels fan's mind. What about me? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what's nagging in there. Now, the Angels started off kind of like we talked about that there were others, but right before opening day, different things happened that were positives, like David Fletcher signing a five-year extension. Wait, 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 wait. I heard that he retired and is a craft. He's going to become a craft uh, milk designer, producer. So I guess it's like craft beers, but it's milk. Um, so this is this yeah, is he's very wholesome. He is, but uh, what kind of milk could he craft? Anyway, but I like the extension and better. Maybe he can do that in the off season. Well, that's probably what he was doing in the offseason, but he decided to take it because that was a dream that he had. Now, the question is, did you notice what day that came out? April Fool's. (laughs) Yep. So instead of that, I guess he put it on hold because they knew he was going to do that. So Perry Manassian offered him a five-year extension. They were like, wait, wait. Wait, come on, Fletch, come on. You got to come back to the field. Forget about the milk. Hold off on the milk. We're going to pay you more money over this period of time for you to play. And then you'll have more money to go into the milk crafting business. I'm guessing. So it's $26 million over five years, which... It's a steal. It's a steal even now. But imagine what it's going to look like if he plays... You know, like he did last season, the season before, puts it all together and puts himself into a spot to be an MVP. He got one MVP vote last year. He did. Mike Trout even said he was the MVP of the team last year. They do have uh, two club options that could take it to seven years and uh, the total money up to $41 million. He said, it's not up to me, but I'd love to play my whole career here. So that's uh, that's great. That's one of those players that you want to see around now the other thing that happened right around then is ty buttry decided that he's not passionate about playing anymore just wants to be ty he doesn't want to be the relief pitcher he said he was doing it for the wrong reasons like money and while he enjoyed his time he just he's done yeah and you know he had people earlier in his life that said yeah you'll never you'll never be in the major leagues and he proved him wrong and He's done that, and he's ready to move on. So, I mean, it's kind of odd, you know, to say, oh, he's like 28. <laughs> he's retiring. But, um, you know, good for him for move on to something that he really enjoys. Because, you know, what do they always say? If you, if you love what you do, it's not a job. And for him, he did not – he was not loving it. I think early on, you know, he got optioned. And it really wasn't, you know, negative um, on the part, you know, of the Angels. It was so he could kind of get his pitch get back into a rhythm, pitching and things like that. But I think for him, maybe that time off, he just was like, yeah, you know what? 
I'm just not I'm just not feeling it anymore. I don't think anybody thought about Ty Buttrey from a pitching standpoint, thanks to a kid named Chris Rodriguez, who came in, was at the alternate training site last year in 2019. He was in high A out in the, at, with the Inland Empire team. And now he is an exciting reliever for the Dodgers. I mean, the Angels. <laughs> He is an exciting reliever for the Angels. 22 years old, throws hard, looks good, has a, a good attitude out there, and is fun to watch. So we'll see how he does. He, uh, he had a, a couple of good outings. Now, the Angels opened up against the White Sox, which on one side, you're like, cool, we're tired of playing the A's on opening day. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't mean to put in the, the Dodgers in this Angel segment, but the Dodgers and the Giants always play opening day and that was not happening. So yeah, it was really nice to see somebody different and especially, you know, with the White Sox. That made it a bigger series because the White Sox across the board are expected by many to be a world series team to win the American league. And we know what kind of team they have. They're, they're a really good team. They got, their pitching staff was good before it got better. Now here we're taking on Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel, who needs to learn how to wear that hat. <laughs> Honestly, the funny thing is, is that when we look back at the series, we're going to think two things. Number one, the biggest thing across the board that most people are going to talk about through that series is going to be the individual performance of a White Sox. And that's your mean Mercedes who started off his season, he got his very first hit in his major league career on Friday night. And by the end of the night, he was five for five. By the next day, he was eight for eight and had done something that hadn't been done since like 1900 or something. He comes in, goes eight for eight. Overall, I mean, he's just amazing. And this is one of those stories. Seven years ago, he's in an independent league. So he's just a step or two away from being out of baseball, doing something different. And now he's all the way back. He's a a rookie, like 28, and he's a rookie. And he's leading baseball with, like, on base percentage, number of hits. I think he was tied for a number of hits as as the weekend ended. Yeah, talk about striking the iron when it's hot. Right. (laughs) Through the series, he went nine for 14. So he had nine total hits and 14 at-bats. It was uh, Tony Watson the new reliever for the Angels, who finally got him out. And that was on Saturday night. Overall, another weird series. A lot of strange things happen. The Angels take the series 3-1. to one. This White Sox team, oh, I thought they were that good, huh? Well. They're in uh, Chicago in their fetal positions. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're losing their minds there. <laughs> The problem, a lot of the problem there, there was a couple problems for the White Sox that we noticed. Bullpen, which they have a really good bullpen, just didn't pitch that well. And they, too, are saying, I'm glad there's 162 games. When they go to play, I think they follow up and go to to Seattle. Although Seattle had a nice weekend to start, too. Things will happen. They'll change when the Angels go to Chicago. I think they're going to see a different team. The other thing was... Tony La Russa made some moves that were 
a little strange, waiting a little too long to to make a move. He didn't challenge something in the right amount of time. Like maybe he's a little rusty on how things work. Yeah. With that. <laughs> Wasn't as quick out of the out of the dugout. Maybe. Yeah. It was interesting too, because one of the things, you know, when you think about those the two managers, you know, Tony LaRusa, who is a Hall of Famer. Uh, managing the White Sox, and then you have Joe Madden. So the two managerial minds, you know, going at it, and obviously Joe was the winner of the of that. And last season, Tony Larusa was an advisor for the Angels, yeah. so he knows him. He knows him pretty well. Right. Uh, at the beginning, before uh, on opening day, big hug between Pujols and his former manager. Tony Larusa. Of course, they yeah. probably saw each other, you know, around the uh, the the facilities last year as right. much as they could. Overall, the Angels looked chaotic. They won three games, but all three were won in comeback fashion. Yes. Their magic inning was the eighth inning. It was craziness. Dylan Bundy started out, uh, he started the first game. He was the opening starter. Didn't look bad. He looked decent. What I thought was interesting, though, was that Alex Cobb started the Saturday game. And when I went back and looked just at numbers, and Alex Cobb looked pretty decent, Dylan Bundy and Alex Cobb's numbers were almost identical. The same ERA, 4.50. I was like, is this a Baltimore Oriole thing? Because both Could of them be. were Orioles, and their stat lines were almost identical. Wow. And then Andrew Haney, I just had to shake my head and say, he's going to have his good days, he's going to have his bad, but the problem is what he did on Friday night is more about what he does. Andrew Haney's the only, he's the one who lost. The other three starters all got no decisions. Andrew Haney, though, got the loss. I'm not going to throw him into the fire just yet because he'll have his moments. And we haven't seen Quintana or Canning yet. So we'll have to see. And, of course, those guys will get the asterisks because they're in town. And the asterisks, of course, 4-0 to start the season, which means the A's are 0-4. <laughs> <Start laughs> uh, the best yeah. pitching performance of the weekend, Shohei Otani. One of the top performances of any player either side of the ball. But Shohei had uh, had a great performance, but there was weird things that happened when he was out there as well. There were throwing errors. There was not as many base running errors, I think, as the Dodgers had, but there were a couple of those. And it just, like I said, when you looked at it, it was like, what am I watching here? Because if the, there were moments when they looked like the best team in baseball. And there were other moments where it was like, I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are better than you guys. Because <laughs> the way it, it felt. but And they would give up runs. So the biggest things happened on Sunday. Shohei's pitching. Comes out, pitches decently. For the first time since like 1903, a pitcher hit second in the order. Yep. And he helped himself by hitting a home run in that game, his second of the series. His ERA for, for the one game is the lowest of any of the pitchers, 1.93. Top of the fifth. Otani's still in, still pitching okay. But this is the inning where things kind of get weird. A couple things happen. Bases loaded. They score a run. 
but there's two outs. So it's three to one. We started out three nothing, three to one, two outs. Otani's having a hard time at this point. This is all taking its toll. Otani's is working through. He's throwing some balls down. He's having a hard time. Finally, on uh, he he gets a pitch, breaking ball breaks down. The batter it was it would have been a ball, and he would have walked in a run. But instead, the batter swings at it. That's strike three. Problem is, the ball gets away from Max Stassi. Well, that's the third strike. So the runner takes off to first. Stassi gets back and gets the ball pretty quickly, turns around, throws to first base. But in the throw, the throw's kind of in line with the baseline. So Jared Walsh has to move his arm or else it's going to get taken off by the runner. And in that, the ball gets away from him. So another run has scored. And luckily, David Fletcher's behind him, gets the ball, but turns around and throws, and it's a high uh, high throw. Otani's at the plate. Well, Jose Abreu's coming in, and Otani has to go up to get it. And as o- Abreu comes in, they collide unintentionally, but they collide. And Otani goes down, of course, Everybody's collectively holding their breath. Yeah. Tony, because he's all of a sudden he's looking like that guy from 2018, this two way star that we're going to have. And is he going to be out now for a while? Who knows? But the run scores, it's now three to three. Otani, we don't know how injured he might be. And at that point, Angel fans in chorus were singing, What about me? Why can't my team? ever have this moment where they just went without an issue. And then it felt like the wheels were completely coming off the bus when Rysel Iglesias, who came in in relief, ball hit back to him. Instead of turning and just throwing it to first to get the second out, he turns around. The runner is, ha- there was a runner on second, halfway between second and third. He turns around and instead of running at him, he turns around to throw off the mound to Rendon at third to get him and overthrew him, which allowed that run to come in and score. So at that point, you're thinking, well, I guess it was bound to happen. We've, we've, had, we've had our luck. We're done. And that's it. No more. <laughs> it's all over with. But here comes the eighth inning again. (laughs) And in the eighth inning, we get two runners on and Jared Walsh. Who picked up right where he left off. A great series. Picked up right where he left off and hits a home run. Angels win. Angels win. Angels win. Seven to four. Actually, I was a little worried because we that was the bottom of the eighth. We still had to get through the ninth. Yeah, that's always the concern there. I used to say I was uh, following the game and, you know, saw the score, saw who was on base. And I said I was chanting double, triple home run, double, triple home run. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, is that. Blanca and I were watching the game and early on she was mad because they kept making these mistakes. She goes, I thought we were better than this. You know, (laughs) 
and uh and i i was like i was like eh we'll be okay now later in the game i was getting a little worried but <laughs> but at that point i'm like it's it's early and we'd shown what we could do she goes and she knows this she's like but we're not like the dodgers the dodgers have so many good hitters in there they show they've shown over the years they can come back from anything so you're not worried I think well, I think uh, you and I talked about it that even in the first game of their series, top of the ninth, they were still they, in it. Yeah, they still had a chance. I will say, as a Dodger fan, you do get a little nervous because a lot of times it's always two outs, and then they start, you know, then they start hopping and popping, and and it's but you're like, but it's two outs. Come on. So yeah, there's always some nervousness there. But that's their they thing. still have the capabilities that when you look at them, that's what makes them a team that, you know, uh, you, you can believe in. And that makes them a championship team is yeah. that it's hard to look at their lineup and say, wait, where's my weak spot? Yeah. The right. angels are yeah. getting there. They're showing that uh, the weekend, like I said, was it turned out to be great. Three and one over the weekend, uh, the asterisks coming in. To, to play before the uh, the Angels take a trip to Florida to play the somewhere in Florida Blue Jays. Like I said, great weekend. Uh, Albert Pujols and Justin Upton, both with home runs. Uh, Trout was being Trout. He, uh, except for the fact, he, see, he walked six times. He's batting over 300 to start the season. He had six strikeouts. And that was the thing. When I went back and looked, I couldn't remember... I remembered him walking, but I never really remembered him doing anything that would put him in a spot where he still looks, he would have those numbers because it seemed like every time I saw him, he was in a position where we needed something and he struck out. Yeah. And a lot of times there were a couple of the strikeouts that were, he struck out looking that the ball was borderline Mm. and they keep calling that low strike on him. He needs to say, figure out how to go hit that low strike and make yeah, them pay that, for it because yeah, work on it. Yep. So that, and you know, like I said, Rice Iglesias looked good one time. And then the next time that one play, I was ready to trade him. I'm like, I'm sorry. There's <laughs> we're. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'd have to go and tell Jose Iglesias, your brother <laughs> is leaving. He's the out of here. Max Stassi. First home run of the season for the Angels. And uh, like I said, great uh, performance overall by Otani. One of the biggest stories of the weekend was the White Sox, Yermin Mercedes. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he was uh, he was on fire. He was so, ready to play. Player of the week. Who you got? So I think I I think he was my last Angels player. <laughs> of the week last season. <laughs> and so I'm going to pick him again this uh, for this one. I'm going to go with Jared Walsh. He listened to me, single, triple home run. He did it, <laughs> but he's clutch. He comes in, um, gets those hits when you need it. He's, uh, he's got, you know, he's leading the team, I think in RBIs and he's just, he's um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm my continuation from season one to season two 
is player of the week, Jared Walsh. I concur fully, Jared Walsh. I had looked at some other things, but Jared Walsh, four hits. And I think the thing, I had thought about Shohei, because Shohei had a a pretty decent week. However, Jared Walsh came up clutch. Every time he came up with a hit, it, it helped the angels. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a random hit, hit a triple, two home runs, six RBIs, 500 hit 500 over the weekend. So I'm with you, Jared Walsh. Uh, eventually we hope to, uh, to have the SRBB player of the week certificate and, uh, and a sticker to send out to each player. Yeah, and these guys, so Jared Walsh, Zach McKinstry, and Julio Urias will send it, but it might just be, you know, it's a work, it's work in progress right now. Um, Right, like, you need to start doing the work to make some progress (laughs) is what that is. (laughs) I I, I got the mock-up, but the other thing is, is, um, you know, if we both sign it, we're in different locations, so, yeah. We don't have stamps with, maybe that's what we need to do invest with stamps with our signatures and just stamp it. I always wanted one. I don't know. I don't know what I, you know, what I'd really need it for, (laughs) but I always wanted one. They had my signature so I could just stamp things. Ooh, I'm putting that down as early idea for Christmas or birthday. (laughs) The asterisks come to town for two and then the angels will start today somewhere in Florida. Time to look at the opening weekend around the league. Of course, big news out of the ATL was no more All-Star game there, which became big news in Denver that uh, All-Star game there. Yeah, and yeah. The, I just say, and the Rockies announcers called it like on Saturday because they were like, yeah, it'd be awesome. They bring it here. And then they do. So maybe somebody was listening. You know, Coors Field, like I said, is a great place to watch baseball. Crazy things happen. It'll be exciting. The, the cats on the field, fountains going off. <laughs> it might snow. <laughs> Hopefully not in July, but. <laughs> but you never know. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Somebody else signed an extension, not just David Fletcher. I I have heard of this guy. Who else is there? His name is Francisco. That's fun to say. Francisco. (laughs) Lindor. 10 years. $341 million. Apparently went out to dinner with Steve Cohen. Had bad ravioli. Wasn't good. According to, to Francisco. But he likes what the Mets are doing. And he's there to stay. 10 years, 341 makes up for bad ravioli. You can hire somebody from Italy, the the foremost ravioli chef, to come and live at your house and make you ravioli whenever you want. Yes. And still have money left over. (laughs) Which is huge for them. That came up right before opening day. And then, of course, they didn't get to play. Yeah. A bummer for for that for that fan base, but they get to play starting this week. So we'll talk about them next week. The season start off this first weekend with a lot of weird things. Some teams that you thought would play better that didn't. One of the big things that I took note of was coming out of the weekend, three undefeated teams. The Asterix, 
Yeah. The Phillies. Yeah. And so neither one of those are teams that you were like that surprised by. The Phillies have been building a good team. The asterisks show that last year was kind of a fluke means the A's are winless. Yeah. Joining the Red Sox as winless. Red Sox played the Orioles, who are now contenders for the World Series. Right. What do you mean contenders? <laughs> they're going oh, they're gonna to the World be- Series. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. The Orioles are going to the... John Means of the Orioles is going to win the Cy Young. Trey Mancini is going to be the MVP. And we'll talk a little bit more about him in a second. And then, of course... This is the team I think that was was surprising was that the Braves got swept opening weekend by the Phillies. Well, I think, too, uh, with the Phillies, when I really think about it, uh, last season, Bryce Harper had some, like, ridiculous shoes that he wore. And I think they were, like, lucky. So he went, like, over the top like of Mount Everest with these shoes for this season. And so I think maybe he just needs to wear those every game. The fanatic shoes. Yes. So we'll post a picture of those on the web. Yeah, we will definitely do that. Find that on our uh, social media, Twitter at sibling rivalry, BB without the a, and then sibling rivalry, BB, with the A on both Instagram and Facebook. Put it up on the website, siblingrivalrybb.com. That felt kind of crazy because Baltimore, it's Baltimore. swept Boston. <laughs> now, in Boston, two things that I want to take note of. Former Dodger Kike Hernandez got his first hit in his first at bat. Other than that, he's been kind of... Kind of eh. there. Yeah, he, well, he's not it- really... Yeah, and the Red Sox, they did have, so we had the COVID postponement, and then we had a um, weather postponement because the they were rained out. The uh, Red Sox right. and the Orioles were rained out. So, That's But we only- excused them. Uh, national unexcused absence, Mets get excused, and then the other Boston and, and the Orioles get excused absences. If they have more right. than... 10 unexcused absences for the Nationals. They're out of the league. Oh. <laughs> more than 10. I say more than three. <laughs> I, oh. don't know, I was thinking of the school. Oh, no, they're out then. Yeah, they're gone. Because they didn't play during the weekend, and the Monday game has been yeah, postponed. It's gone. All right, so, so no Nationals. Everybody in the American League is going to get at least, or in the National League East. Uh, and the National League period is going to get uh, at least one series of wins. So three to, you know, six, well, probably six to 19 wins. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Maybe that works out for the Braves, too, because that's who the Nationals are supposed <laughs> to play. So the Braves get a minute, figure it all out. But, yeah, they, they, uh, they couldn't get a win there. Blue Jays took down the Yankees. Oh, and to go back to Baltimore real quick, the Baltimore-Boston yeah. thing. Trey Mancini, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's he's been around for a while, battling colon cancer. He's overcome it, 
and uh, this was his first game back. It was uh, it was cool. Homecoming, Boston. Uh, the Red Sox players were hugging him and welcoming me back, and it was it was really there was a camaraderie I noticed around baseball, with the exception of um, the Reds and the Cardinals. Overall, there was a camaraderie around baseball where everybody was just kind of happy to be together and celebrating. I think they were happy to have fans in the stands. Yeah, the fans in the stands, I think, was probably the biggest thing for me for opening day, watching, you know, all the games. And, you know, even if it was if there were booze or whatever, but it was still hearing the crowd noise. Um, I really missed that last season. Um, One of my favorite stories on opening day is from uh, Detroit, where it was snowing and it was 32 degrees at game time. It's a balmy 32. And uh, Miguel Cabrera hits a home run, but it's like a blizzard. And And the ball is white, snow is white. He doesn't know he hits a home run. He thinks... You know, there's a play. It's going to be at second base. He slides into second base. And then the umpire's like, hey, it's a home run. He, he gets up and says, oh, okay, thank you. And then runs the rest of the base. Finishes his trot. Yeah. Now, after the game, you know, you think reporters, they might get like one question. I don't know who this was, but they said, hey. And maybe it was because it was April Fool's Day. I don't know. They said, hey, you know, are you used to playing in snow? And he's, oh, yeah, we used to do it all the time in Venezuela, growing up in Venezuela. (laughs) So that was my one of my favorites. Because that's what Venezuela pops up. Yeah, especially as he pops up and he's standing at second and he's like, oh, oh, okay, thank you. I have a home run. Thank you. Yeah, that's the thing with with Miggy because he is such a prankster that uh, you don't know was he fooling around? Did he slide in just and to slide? Tough outing for Shane Bieber. See, that's another one of those things. Tough right. outing for him. He still struck out twelve. <laughs> what, he should have struck out twenty. Right. And so tough start for the Indians. I didn't note that, but the Blue Jays. I said, took down the Yankees. They did it without their big off-season acquisition as well. George yeah, Springer. George, yeah, he wasn't on the uh, or he wasn't on the opening day lineup. I guess he has um, an oblique injury, so not there on the IL. And that was another game. It's like, oh, the Blue Jays. They took down the Yankees, and they're heading to the. To the World Series. Right. Well, we picked them to win the East. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was happy with their win. Um, But it's funny how, you know, you're so excited for opening day. And then, you know, you have the the doomsday fans and the, you know, the half, the glass half full, half empty kind of guy, people. But there's just no middle ground. Nope. No so, middle. Were you telling me a story about uh, the Giants and Mariners game, and the thirteen-year-old who was went to bed and I can't remember what the right. So when he went to bed, the Giants were up like six to one. 
Oh, that's right. And then when he gets up the next morning, the Mariners had to come from behind win and a walk-off yeah. seven to six. And he's like, the bullpen sucks. This team stinks. And it made the, the <laughs> dad was laughing. He goes, oh, baseball season is back and I couldn't be happier. But he was just out of his mind that the Giants bullpen blew that game. That when he went to bed, it was six to one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was, you, uh, just, you never know. Once again, fun weekend overall. The different things that happened. There were some feel-good moments. There were some surprises. Uh, we talking about uh, Seattle. Mitch Hanniger, who was uh, Rookie of the Year a couple of years back, um, back and strong, looking good. That really puts Seattle in a in a good spot going forward. Still think that they're um, if the A's continue to play like they're playing, then they get to move up into third just because the A's are in last place right now. And who yeah. would think that the Rangers would win a game before the A's? Yeah, exactly. I said the um, the other thing that got me too is you know you had the we talked about the big off uh, you know trades with San Diego. You Darvish was the opening day starter for San Diego and he just got knocked around by the Diamondbacks. Um, he went for a little over four innings, 4.2 innings. He had eight hits. He gave up two home runs. He did have, you know, six strikeouts, but not anything what they were expecting, I think, out of you Darvish. Um, but then to contrast you Darvish, Starting day opening pitcher for the Diamondbacks, Madison Bumgarner. He only lasted four innings, had seven hits, six runs, six earned runs, gave up two home runs, and also had six strikeouts. So you had two pitchers that are, you know, when you think about pitchers, you're like, you know, these guys are up, you know, they're up in the top. Upper echelon, yeah. And yeah, and they just, it was but not it about pitching like, that day. Feels like Mad Bum is on his way out. Yeah, I think he, you know, is retirement is probably very close or in his future. And he's not even that old, really. I mean, when you look at it. He's not, yeah. He's yeah, not. I thought he and, was older because he'd been around so long. And because he's been such a big name, I thought he was older than he was, but he was like 30. I'm like, yeah, and you're, he you're already having the, these issues? Yeah, and he, but he has the... You know, that persona, like, get off my lawn. kind of yeah, old guy persona. <laughs> the old guy persona. So, um, but yeah, he's kind of, yeah, he's on his way out. So that signing, you know, when he, when he was free agent, we knew he wasn't going to be with the Giants. But it was interesting to see those two pitchers have very similar outings. Um, right. Padres yeah. ended up now, eight, winning that game 8-7. So to the, seven. Padre, the Padres look... Like the management looks like, well, man, maybe you went a little too far with you, Darvish. But the next day for the Padres, Blake Snell came in and proved that he was a great acquisition. He had a great outing. Yeah. And then later, hometown boy, former Pittsburgh Pirate, another guy that they picked up, Joe Musgrove, had every show that I watched that did a highlight on them were just gushing about Joe Musgrove and his outing, and he did. He yeah. had a he had a a pretty good uh, pretty good outing. But I yeah, and so you look at those guys. You know, I think you expect expect especially with Blake Snell because 
you know, what he did in the World Series to be good. And um, so if he had come out and not had a good outing, then it would have been like, oh, then they would have had the buyer's remorse or, you know, however. There would have been been another run on antidepressants just this time in San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, which could be heard that uh, Tatis has an injury and we don't know any details uh, to share at this point. We'll do that next time if it's uh, if it's bad, but uh, I'm sure that they're all sitting there, ready to pop the cap on whatever antidepressants they're in. I don't I don't right. know, or they're all getting their mask, their little face thing up to put like in the commercial for one of the for one of the right. things where they got the little happy face. Uh, yeah, but they're really not. On a stick. Yeah, well, and he had uh, Tatis Jr. had I think what like five. Errors. I mean, he was not. He was on. Uh, he was on pace for 162 error season. Yeah. We'll see what happens with. Uh, so with that's him. that's an interesting. You know, that's too because he just signed a big contract extension with San Diego, and he really is. You know, you think about the Padres. He's the face of the Padres, but really, he's becoming the face of of baseball. Right. With the A's, uh, we talked about. You know, them being winless um trevor rosenthal that was um a big pickup for them he's on the il with shoulder and infl- uh, with a shoulder injury i'm uh, not really sure you know and then the other one that was a big one with the white Sox, tim anderson had a hamstring injury in the sunday game with the angels he underwent an uh, mri so that'll be interesting to see the the thing with tim anderson and for a minute, I almost thought we were having a flashback to Andrelton Simmons. And, um, Anderson's running down to first base. He gets to first base. And when he comes off of the bag, you could see him kind of pull up lame, you know, and kind of limping off. And I remembered this because I'd seen it like that before and where they showed it, they never showed an angle where you could see, did he turn an ankle? What did he do? But a fraud was talking about because, you know, he's the expert ball player. Yes. And, and before I say this, my disclaimer is a fraud wasn't too bad during the game. They talked up both sides. It didn't seem like they were leaning one side or the other. Of course they were gushing about Shohei and he gave them something to gush about. And, like anything, when the announcers talk great about your team, you're fine with it. When yeah, they great. talk bad, they're they're idiots. Fire but he, he went on about how, because it was the first play of the game, and he said, you know, at the beginning of the game, they've just wet down the field, so sometimes the bases still are a little wet because they've just finished right before. And so he said it, he could have hit the base and slipped or something because, and then they started talking about why, the bigger bases will be better. And I said, stop being the lap dogs for Manfred. All that's going to do is Manfred everything up. Well, and um, that's what he was talking about. And that's what made me think about Tim Anderson. I honestly thought about bringing it up earlier and I forgot. I I went past it because I got excited about Jared Walsh, I guess. Well, and one thing, you know, when you said they're talking about the bigger base, he could have still he could still slip on the bigger base. He just slip a little further. So a bigger bag just gives him more more space to be wet, and <laughs> yeah. more space to slide. So maybe next time he slides more, tears his hamstring, mm-hmm. or an ACL, or 
you know, it yeah, becomes something. a bigger problem. But when I saw that and him come off like that, I just thought Andrelton Simmons two different times, you know, stretching out to hit first base has hit that bag and twisted his ankle. And oh, right. Uh, yeah. I saw uh, I saw Andrelton playing for the Twins a couple of times, and he's Andrelton. So yep. there's that. Uh, Buster yeah. Posey, another player, had a great week. And yeah, nice to and see Buster back. I like Buster. He uh, he he definitely looks uh, of the players that didn't play last season. He probably looks the best. Yeah. He took advantage of that time off. Uh, uh, one thing that we need to talk about is there is already a suspension in Major League Baseball. I was so, I was holding that off. Before we do that, let me throw right. out one more injury. Okay. And this one's a tough one. Pittsburgh. Their Rookie of the Year candidate, Cabrian Hayes, yeah. injured and out for indefinitely at this point. Yeah. And that's a sad thing for them because he was he was their their one hope. Right. He, he was the guy. And uh, now he's out. So now we go to St. Louis Dateline, actually Dateline Great American Ballpark, Cincinnati, yeah. Ohio. Saturday. Reds versus the Cardinals. By the way, Rockies fans, Nolan Arenado is now a Cardinal. <laughs> Sorry to have to tell you <laughs> that. Actually, yeah, he hit a home run. Um, now let me uh, let me tell you before we get too much farther because we talked about the Rockies and Josh Fuentes. Right. Nolan was five for thirteen with a home run, three RBIs. Josh was two for thirteen with a home run and three RBIs. So the only difference is three hits. That's it. There's He's got a lot. higher batting average, but otherwise they both drove in the same amount of runs. That's it. And they both had a home run. Yeah. We're going to find out that Josh Fuentes is really a uh, robot that the Rockies have <laughs> constructed. And they made up the story that they're really cousins. And yeah. Right. He's <laughs> really programmed to be. And that's why they let the real Nolan Arenado go. Yeah. They got because the robot. They have the robot that. They don't have to pay anything. Right. <laughs> All right. So Nolan Arenado makes his debut there. They're wearing the the Cardinals were wearing their powder blues. Yes. And Yachty was all powder blued out because he had the chest protector and his shin guards. They were all powdered blue, not red yeah. like the Cardinals would be. And then... Something happened. And in fact, it has become a big controversy. Yeah. It's, um, you know, as in that Saturday game, they had benches cleared, but it all centered around Cincinnati Reds right fielder Nick Castellanos. It's all his fault, even though he really wasn't the instigator in the bench clearing brawl that happened which sorry to tell you uh colorado rockies fans uh nolan arenado was also involved in that bench clearing brawl <laughs> he got a little <laughs> he scored a run nick castellanos did 
and he taunted, he taunted catcher Jake Woodford or the pitcher. Sorry, not the catcher. I was going to say the, the what, pitcher. Yeah, I the pitcher Yachty obviously would be Yachty. Yeah, uh, Jake Woodford. He taunted him. It was too much taunting, and uh, he and Yachty and, had words. And Yachty had some Yachty words. being being a great catcher. Coming from a great catching family. Yes. Benji and Jose, world champions with the Angels. He stood up for his pitcher. Now, that may have caused some issues, and he didn't have any issues with him. But, you know, he, he's like, I don't know what's going on, why they why there needed to be a conversation about it. Yeah. It, um, you know, MLB has had this, you know, let the kids play you know ad campaign but you really don't let the kids play and the cardinals they don't you know they are rule followers and they as right it's like in beverly hills how the cops do everything by the book yeah so yadier molina comes out he pushes nick Costa, so he physically pushes him that's when the bench is cleared but Yadier Molina, maybe because he's Yadier Molina, he's not ejected. Nick Castellanos is ejected, and now he's suspended for two games. But not for fighting. Not no, for that. For if we're being the instigator of taunting. <laughs> and for <laughs> COVID protocols. Right. Yes, of course. Now, part of this two is he got hit by a pitch right he got hit and, on the shoulder and, and then there was some talk about that he picks up the ball in 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 a this is like max muncie bumgarner thing and he shows him the ball yasiel puig and bumgarner almost anybody in bumgarner it seems right but, pretty much but he shows him the ball like hey you want it back like go get it out of the ocean if you want it. But he's like, you want it back? He never made a move towards the mound. But all this just built up. And then when he came in and slid, when he scored that run, that opened everything up even more. And it just, it was like, it's just silly. Yeah. Why? And why he are you was... going after uh, Castellanos? And why are you going after him when he didn't do anything more than anybody else? And he really didn't. He really didn't instigate. Yadi instigated. Yeah, but he but, was, according to MLB, he had aggressive action. And the interesting thing, too, is he is the only player who has been suspended. Now, he is appealing his suspension, his two-game ban. There were fines that were issued. He he got a fine, so he got suspended and a fine. Jesse Winker and Suarez... And the Cardinals, Jordan Hicks, Yadier Molina, and Nolan Arenado were all fined. But maybe in the course of this appeal, if they go back and look and see that Yadier Molina was really had the aggressive actions, he might maybe end up, you know, possibly suspended. But I don't. Knowing MLB and Manfred, it he won't be. No, the only thing they can do at this point is 
just let him be fined and uh, do away with the the suspension. I don't think that that, yeah. that part's fair. If you're going to no. fine them all for, for their parts in it, because he was part of it. Right. He didn't just turn around and walk away. He was John Adam. It's interesting. We always, you know, I think I always go back to the asterisks and he's suspended at this moment for two games and fined. And Asterix got nothing. So he gets a worse, you know, punishment for playing the game, really. You know, just playing than what the Asterix did in cheating. And and it's just not right. Well, Trevor Bauer tweeted something to the effect of, here baseball goes again. They want us to be emotional. They want us to, to, to really be spirited. And here they go again encouraging that you know it's sarcastic something to that effect that's not an exact quote but yeah and he had he had tweeted out um i think it was kind of doing a poll or something you know would you like to see the nhl style uh you know fights (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm sure there are people that would love to see that i don't want to see that only if right before the batter and the pitcher run at each other they have those big gloves on and they throw them off so they can. (laughs) I thought you were going to say only if they wear like those sumo wrestling suits and then they just have to bounce. Well, how about this in COVID times, they could wear those big balls. Oh yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, inflatable balls, whatever, and run at each other and bang in each other. Yeah. They'd have ones at the dugout you know, ready. And then whoever, when you know, you're right. going to be in a brawl. You jump you in, run your, and jump in ball. and you guys go. And then, and then, uh, and then you, you know, the, whoever pushes the other guy off the field uh, into, um, uh, the foul territory, or whatever, or into, you know, a certain area. Yeah. They win the fight. <laughs> that I, I think, you know, you want more viewership, you want people watching that is going to get people watching That's for sure. See, why aren't they doing the gimmicky things? Having a bigger base isn't going to make somebody more excited about going to the game. No. Um, yeah. You need the guy like they have at isotopes who comes in riding a road runner with his blonde mullet and his cannon, his t-shirt cannon. And that's what you need or hot dog cannon. Cause they, but the problem with the hot dog cannons is the, uh, sometimes it, the wrapping comes undone. So right. the bun goes one way and the dog <laughs> goes the other. And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Next week on SRBB. We have our proton packs ready to go as we look for the weird and wacky in baseball. Unless we get abducted by aliens. Keep your eye on the ball. And swing away. <laughs>